Welcome to the Marketing Millennials, the No BS Marketing Podcast. I'm Daniel Murray, and join me for unfiltered conversations with the brains behind marketing's coolest companies. The one request I tell our guests, stories or it didn't happen. Get ready to turn the f*** up. Customer segmentation is so important. It's like the foundation of every marketing strategy, really, and, and even product strategy. But it's so often forgotten by teams uh, because it is a lot of work, right? And the, really the most important reason to do it is if you can't understand who exactly you're trying to sell to, build for, market to, you're never going to be effective in any of those strategies because everything's going to be like a one-size-fits-all as opposed to a really compelling direct message. What's up? We have tomorrow on the podcast. How are you doing, Tamara? Good. How are you doing? Good, good. I wanted to kick off and ask first, how did you get into marketing? My undergrad was actually in professional writing, which isn't marketing per se, but is related, right? And I actually originally wanted to work in publishing. So I did my master's in publishing and thought, oh, maybe I'll work in magazines, you know, Devilers product kind of vision. But it ended up that that was so slow going, like publishing cycles took months and I just didn't like that pace of work. So that kind of led me into digital marketing. At the time I was doing social media and like taking content from magazines and putting it online. And so I was like, oh, I can see how quickly I can get these stories out online, get response from that. That's really engaging. I would rather do that full time. And that was kind of that conduit into marketing for me. You've really made a name for yourself in like the product marketing space. And I wanted to go into a topic that you you talk a lot about, which is customer segmentation and then how to think about customer segmentation. But I want to first go into how should people start doing customer segmentation and break that down? Customer segmentation is so important. It's like the foundation of every marketing strategy, really, and, and even product strategy. But it's so often forgotten by teams uh, because it is a lot of work, right? And the, really the most important reason to do it is if you can't understand who exactly you're trying to sell to, build for, market to, you're never going to be effective in any of those strategies because everything's going to be like a one size fits all as opposed to a really compelling direct message. First of all, you want to look around and say, do I even have anything to start with? Am I coming in and we have absolutely no idea of who our customer is at all? Or do we have some existing segments that maybe just need to be dusted off and refined a bit? That's kind of step one. Honestly, for most people, it's, hey, these segments are really old. They're probably not true anymore. We really are wanting to start from scratch. And this is where I kind of uh, uh, suggest a two-pronged approach. The first prong is looking inward at your own business. And this is going to really depend on your business model and how much data is available for you. But let's assume that you've been around for like more than a year, that you have more than a couple hundred customers, really taking a look at all of that data. So who has ever uh, purchased from you in the past? Who is buying from you today? Who has even signed up for a trial? Who has purchased and churned, if, for example, you're a uh, software? Compose like a big data spreadsheet of all of that and just start going through and looking for clusters. What trends and patterns are emerging to you? What do these different customers have in common? And this is where I always say what you are not looking for is the largest pool of customers here. So what you're not looking for is like, wow, like 
we have so many customers from New York. New Yorkers must be our, our target market. That's not necessarily true. Obviously, you're looking for customer segments that are large enough to matter, but they don't have to be the biggest. Because then the second step of that is actually taking those large clusters and analyzing business performance. So looking at things like, okay, well, like, are they actually good for the business? Are they converting in trial? Are they sticking around? Are they actually using your product? Are they more likely to purchase more from you, you know, upsell, have add-ons later on? Are they advocates for your brand? And it's kind of putting those two first steps together to identify, yep, these, I think, are, from an inward view, our best customers. And then you can do the second prong, which is looking outward. So just because you have a lot of them and they're doing well doesn't mean that there's also a good market opportunity. So you need to understand, like, how large is this potential market segment? Is it large enough to sustain my growth ambitions, right? If I choose to focus on them, can I grow as quickly as I want to? How fast is that market segment actually growing outside of just my business view? Who else is competing against them? Do they already have a leg up? Like, are they going to capture that market segment faster than I am? That doesn't mean that you shouldn't focus on the segment, but it just means that you're going to have a different competitive strategy than if no one was going after that segment at all. So then I kind of put those two pieces together. I know this is super simplified, but I take that inward view and I take that outward view. I put it together and the product of that should be your best customer segment or your customer segment. I want to go into how to pick the one to market first to or how to create a strategy for which one first because the problem is with most marketing teams is one, lack of resources, so they can't just do that. And then two, like, how do you decide what messaging to put to the public that captures at least like the most amount of those like customers? Say? So let's say like out of this work, you've identified three core customer segments and you're like, we're excited about all three of them. We know that like in order to win the market, at some point we need to capture all of so your question is, how do I decide who to focus on first? What I actually do is I take all three of those segments and I map out of the customer journey and basically the experience across that customer journey. So this is just the existing customer journey today. I take that segment hat on, I pretend I'm that customer and I go through and I say, okay, great. From the first point of awareness, and are you speaking to me directly? Does this feel relevant? Does this feel engaging? Or does this feel something super disengaging and generic? And I probably at this point would get off the customer journey. Great. Now I'm on the website. How does that speak to me? Are there buying flows for me? Is there any messaging at all? Great. Now I'm in product. When I'm signing up and doing the onboarding survey, are you asking any questions about myself? Are you tailoring that experience based on what I'm telling you? And they kind of just map out across that whole life cycle. Is it a good experience? Is it a bad experience or is it okay? And that's going to start to give you like the opportunities that might arise because you might say, actually, we're doing a good job at onboarding. Like we actually already asked for them to put in some information. It's being tailored. It's really top of funnel that feels super generic. So we need to focus there and we, we see that for this one segment, it's particularly bad. So that's like kind of step one to assessing the opportunity and where you start, at least from where along the funnel you start. In terms of the actual segment, this will have to be a broader conversation with other people in the org. Because for example, say the product org is like, great, we're going to start by building product for segment two. But the marketing org is like, great, we're going to start marketing to segment one. 
you're going to have a mismatch. And so there has to be alignment in like, this is our company's number one priority for the next three or six months. We're all going to double down on this. And here's how we're going to measure success. Like today, X percent of our trials come under this customer segment. We want that to be higher. So we're going to put all of our effort into that. And then we're going to make sure we can convert them. So that's kind of the second lens is like, okay, make sure you're aligning with other stakeholders and deciding who to focus on. The third lens is that when you're doing that performance analysis that I mentioned at the last step in terms of identifying your segments, if there is a major gap in one of the segments, but you still think that segment is interesting, you might want to focus there. So for example, maybe you have a segment that you're attracting a lot of, the market is large. They're actually really interested in your value prop. You're converting them well but you see that churn is high, you might still say, I want to focus on that segment. Like this is a great market opportunity for me, but you might decide, hey, at the product and marketing work, we're going to double down on fixing churn for this customer segment. And now you're going to build cancellation flows. You're going to build win back programs. So that would be a different strategy. So either you've identified gaps in the life cycle from an experience, uh, you've made a decision at the executive level, strategically, or there's like a business performance metric or a SaaS metric that you want. That's kind of how I go about assessing where to start. Right. And once you've done that, like, how do we even decide like how to start adjusting things? And that's where it's like the data has served you this far, but now you actually need to start talking to customers and like prospects who fit that segment. So the first thing you need to do is immerse yourself with them. Figure out where they are. Do they all go to a conference? Go to that conference and meet as many of them as you can. Do customer interviews. Hang out in the online communities where they also are and start to really understand like what problems do they have? What language are they using? What's missing for that from the current solutions? And then you're going to channel all of that into really focused messaging and positioning frameworks for that new customer segment. Yeah, I wanted to go into something that you said very interesting because I think one of the challenges I see in a lot of businesses is they have an existing segment that's going very well, but that existing segment is early adopters. And at some point, that segment growth is just going to plateau and there is the opportunity. So when do you start deciding when to open up potential customer segments or potential market opportunities? When is the right time to start opening up the, those new markets that are potential customer segments? It's going to depend on the stage of business. In this case, in your example, let's assume it's more like early stage. This is their first product. They have an early adopter cohort. I, as like product marketer or lady product marketing, I would already be mapping out what that segment map might look like. So what would the potential adjacent segments be? I kind of think about it segmentation as like the game of risk. I don't know. Have you ever played the game of risk? You know, where you have to like win the world. I think about it this way. And we all know when you play the game of risk, the easiest way to start winning is to like own Australia, right? Because when you own Australia and you get that extra bonus every time, right? For having that whole continent. So Think about your first early adopter cohort as Australia. You're going to fortify that base. You're going to make sure it's really strong. You're the best player. You have product market fit for them. Then you're going to think about in the game of risk, what do you do next? You're not going to go and try to like own Alaska or own something in North America. You're going to branch out into the next territory off of Australia, right? And then you're going to branch out to the next one and the next one until you have all of it. 
And so what I do is I map out that same thing. I'm like, if this is our early adopter cohort, what are the adjacent segments around them? Like who has things in common with them that we think we can easily get into later on? So I'm already plotting that out before we're even ready. And then as I'm engaging with our early adopter cohort, I'm starting to understand like what use cases are they using this product for? And then I'm doing the work to go out in the market and see like who else has that problem or wants to use that use case. How does that map to our like segment map that we've already done? And I would say it's, this is where you kind of have to start building new cohorts all over again and just like ease into it. So you have a hypothesis that this new market segment would be a good fit for your product. You think the use case can solve it. I would start to experiment. I'm not going to change my whole homepage. I'm not going to start spending, you know, millions of dollars on PPC to drive them in, but I'm going to build a landing page, right? Where I have some really specific value for us. I'm going to spend a bit of paid search to go find that audience, bring them in through the landing page, see how the messaging resonates, get them into the product. And then I'm going to follow up with customer interviews. And only once I'm confident that we have product market fit with that new segment or sub-segment, whatever you want to call it, then I kind of amplify it and say, great, let's add it to the homepage. Let's make sure there's buying journeys for them. That's how I think about that from like an early stage startup approach. Yeah. And one thing I wanted to go back to the beginning is saying like, you've seen a bunch of companies doing customer segmentation. What is the biggest challenge or the biggest problem you see when you see organizations doing customer segmentation? Honestly, one is bias and opinion, especially if it's a founder-led business or you have employees who've worked there for a really long time. They have this like, but we're for this person. Like we started off, this was the vision we wanted to serve this. And it can be difficult to get people to put that bias down and to look at what the data is actually showing us. Because you have, may have been really compelled to start the business for a particular reason, but actually there's a whole other cohort or market of customers who you actually can solve their problems in a better way, faster, that will drive more growth for the business. Philosophically, that's one of the most difficult parts. Let's say once you get buy-in from everyone and when you get past that stage, I would say the evolution of segments. You know, it is a lot of work. And so a lot of people think that, great, we've invested in it with now have our segments, we're good to go. It's like static, like place and time, right? But it's actually, yeah, this is like a view of what's happened to date and what we think the market opportunity is. But now we need to measure this and look at it constantly to see how our segments are going to evolve. And so it's like, once you have your festival segments, the work's not done. It's almost like the work begins. And so that is probably the most challenging thing is making space, time, budget, for all of that ongoing work to make sure you're actually implementing segments properly in the business and continuing to refine them so that you're staying ahead and kind of capturing the world, like I was saying in the risk analogy. A lot of marketing you can boil down into like the scientific method. Like what you just said is like the initial customer segmentation, even though you've gathered days is, is initial hypothesis that this is going to be a, a the customer sector. Once you do it, you run your campaigns and you run your product strategy and to, for those customers. And then you get the data back and say, was this actually right or was this wrong? Do I need to readjust to find new things or not? But it's like really that the customer say, is a data-driven hypothesis that you think like these are the customer segments. It's not it's not the the end of the, the study and saying like, okay, we're done with the site. It's just like the hypothesis of like where we're going to land. 
that's exactly it. And it's like, you kind of need to start in quiet because you need to start aligning all the vectors across the business, right? You need to start marketing to those customer segments. You need to start, you know, refining the roadmap for that. You need to start making sure that your service bottle and go to market and motion is aligned with like what that customer segment wants. But again, you can't just all go off in different directions. You need to be like, oh, hey, we maybe we shift this product feature. We actually discovered something new about that segment that leads us to want to change the value prop that we have on the website. Great. Now the marketing team's engaged again. Okay, actually, we discovered that this particular customer segment actually does better when they get like an onboarding call in their first seven days. Oh, that's different. That's different than the average PLG customer. Great. How do we collab with sales to like have a, you know, a little bit of a light touch interaction? So it's constant conversation and evolution across functions of the business in order to progress that strategy forward. The marketing statement that captures what a lot of marketers do is they try this one size fits all approach to marketing where what you said is every single piece of the puzzle is not one fits all. Like the marketing attaching to product for one segment could be different than the marketing and product for another segment. And you have to adjust based on who those people are. Otherwise you're going to get a, it's going to be disconnected for that customer that you're bringing. That's exactly it. Completely. What is a marketing hill you would die on? The marketing hill that I would die on is that product marketing is actually not a marketing function. Ooh, could we dive into that a little bit? What what, what do you think? Yeah. So product marketing, honestly, it's, it's hard to be a product marketer. You have like two different people in your name. You have product and you have marketing. You're like that middle child. You just really don't belong anywhere. And so I always say, the number one question I always get asked is, where should product marketing sit in an org, under product or under marketing? And as I started to, you know, earlier in my career, really refine my answer to this, I realized that it's actually neither of them. So my whole thesis is that product marketing is a business strategy function. And as such, it should actually sit outside product or marketing. So when I used to work at Unbounce, I was our chief strategy officer and product marketing sat under me directly in my strategic growth department. So I had like product marketing, customer lifecycle marketing, and partnerships. And so that allowed us to be completely unbiased to marketing and to product. We truly were those intermediaries, the mediators, the people who are taking those strategies and bridging them together or forming strategy and collaborating with the other two teams. I think when you sit in marketing or you sit in product, you start to over-index on some parts of that. And so you know, when people say product marketers are marketers, it's like, yes, there's marketing strategy as part of our job. Marketing execution is a component of how we bring our strategies to life as much as product strategy is, to be honest, or customer strategy or even financial strategy. But really, like, we do ourselves a disservice by calling ourselves marketers because what we don't do is like write blog propose, create collateral, build channel strategy, it really is a business strategy. I love that because I come from marketing ops. And when I saw, we went cut off from the marketing org and went into just rev ops, which rev ops just sat in like this unbiased wheel. We can give marketing opinions that like, this is how we think you should change your like strategy. This is the data we're seeing. And it can be changed from what the CMO said our priorities are we actually went what the priorities of the whole business was which was helped me 
become more of a, a strategic partner to them instead of a, a support function inside of That's exactly it. So I, I resonate that from like the marketing ops side because marketing <laughs> ops, marketing ops, even though it has marketing in the title, is technically like a strategic function that yes. is supposed to make marketing processes and technology more efficient and more strategic. So that's a great insight. I don't think many people talk about product marketing like that. So that's cool. What is some a trend that you're seeing right now that marketers or product marketers should jump on right now? A really big one is combining product marketing and lifecycle marketing together. This is something that like, I'm going to call it my trend for the year, but it is a emerging trend that has already started. Like one or two years ago, this really started to come about as a thing. So customer lifecycle marketing or customer marketing, whatever you want to call it, has always traditionally south in marketing. However, again, for the exact reasons that I said about product marketing, they really have a purview over the entire customer lifecycle. Their focus is on driving habits, again, through channels, but it's not just a focus on marketing. And it's very product focused as well, right? They need to have a product acumen as well as a marketing acumen. And so I think with the way that the economy is going, the focus on profitability within businesses right now, that means we're going to need to focus even more on activating and converting customers and even more on retaining customers and deflecting them when they go to churn. Those are all things that customer lifecycle can help with and should help with. And the best way to position them to be successful is to put them with a product marketing team. And so I think that trend is something we're going to see. I'm already seeing a bunch of conversations on this happening in the last few weeks. And so I would say uh, the combination of product marketing and lifecycle together in order to help businesses like reach profitability, improve churn and retention, and really bring like a lot a higher level of strategy to their lifecycle to kind of go beyond thinking of those teams as like CRM email teams. You know what got me thinking about that with that whole talk is that product marketing also is a de-risk factor for the organization because the companies that did what you're talking about before this recession hit are in a better place because they know who their customers are, who to market to, how to how to convert them in a, a better way. The people who are doing that, the one size fits all or sticking to their past customer that they think are, are going to be struggling right now. So like it is a good time to even, it's never a bad time to start, but like I'm just thinking like it's a, it's a way to keep your business sustainable for for years and years if you do this the correct way. And we also see people, you know, there's a lot of layups right now. People are reducing their team size. People are reducing their budget. You can't focus on everyone when that's the case, right? Like we need to take a narrow focus right now to drive growth. And the best way of doing that is to understand who you should be focusing on when you take that narrow focus. So yeah, if you have not started customer segmentation, this is your sign to start it today, right? Yeah, that's it. Exactly. There's never a bad time to start custom segmentation no. if you don't have it. Or it should always be, it's kind of a journey anyway, so you should be always doing it. What's a piece of advice you would give a younger marketer starting in product marketing today? Two things. I would say the number one thing, and this will serve you in any job, is to learn how to ask really good questions. Product marketing 
you have a lot of hypotheses. You need to capture a lot of hypotheses from across the business. And we always have more questions than answered. Being able to formulate that question accurately, both to shape your research, but even to engage a stakeholder is going to have immense payoff down the road. I think the most curious product marketers make the best product. The second one is like spend time increasing your product acumen. As we said, this is equal parts marketing product business strategy. You need to understand how products get built and developed, what the product development lifecycle looks like. You need to understand the language that product managers and engineers use. And you need to immerse yourself in that world so that they really see you as a partner and not just a marketer. And again, that's going to pay off multifold down the road. So those are kind of the two first things that I always give advice for. Actually, I'm going to ask you one question because I'm, I'm interested in your answer to this is what is something that when you started in product marketing has changed the most to mark product marketing is today and how it shaped? Even just getting a seat at the table, like before product marketing was this thing that people didn't know what to do with. They're like, yeah, I guess you could sit here or we need one of you. So help us understand versus now what I see from people is, you know, I hear a lot of people come to me and they say, hey, I want to build a really strategic product marketing function. I want to start with a really good senior hire. Like we're investing in this. They're going to be on SLT. People are like not messing around. They really understand the value of it and they see it as its own emerging like function. I truly believe that product marketing leaders are the next generation of CEOs. And I think we're starting to see that trend emerge now as we see a lot of product marketers start to emerge into the C-suite and not just go the CMO path. They go the CSO path like I did. They do the CEO path. They even do the CPO path. The level of respect and kind of awareness of what we can do as product marketers, that's grown the most, really. I think that is also a good take because I've talked to a lot of former CMOs and they say one of the big three functions that become CMOs are product marketing. But you're kind of saying like now it's becoming like one of the big, they're not going to become the future CMOs. They're going to become the future CEOs and CSOs and off companies, which is a great insight. Yeah. Um, where could people find you? How could people get in touch with you? I want to give you a couple minutes to talk about that. Thanks. Yeah. So I have a newsletter. I write weekly on product marketing. It's called Product Marketing Office Hours. You can find it at my website, tomorrowgravinsky.com. Also, you can find me on LinkedIn, where I'm always talking about product marketing and strategy. Happy to engage in any of these conversations. Um, but that's definitely the best way to find me. Yeah. So if you want to learn product marketing, I've heard from a million people that tomorrow is the go-to person so subscribe to the newsletter follow her journey uh, if you want to become great at product market thanks so much i appreciate that thanks so much for listening tune in next week to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators if you haven't already please consider subscribing to the marketing millennials podcast and giving it a five-star rating it helps bring more marketers into our community.